Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. woo Monday, February 21st, happy President's Day, and welcome to Season 8 of the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 15-year young adult survivor of brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer? Under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, Crazy Sexy Cancer, Chris Carr, Crazy Sexy Kiss Carr, Chris Carr, joining us, young adult survivor, author, wellness coach, director of Crazy Sexy Cancer, and founder of Crazy Sexy Life, and starting it all off in the Survivor Spotlight, Alyssa Savaretti, young adult survivor, breast cancer, and founder and president of My Hope Chest. Alrighty, as a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation online at stupidcancer.com. We help young adults fight cancer every day, and we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So, hello, my friends, and welcome back to yet another fun, drill, and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes. Don't forget us on iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. All right, the Stupid Cancer Show has a live interactive chat room uh, during which uh, each broadcast we invite you to join in the chat room, uh, join in the fun, connect with our friends, ask questions of our guests, get involved, folks, supercancer.com and then supercancershow.com. And I'd like to welcome our in-studio guests, uh, we have some uh, some some regulars and some new folks tonight, and uh, I'd like to welcome Monica Mateo, Jesse Hershkowitz, aka Herbalist, Ian Sisson, and James Manning. Did I say that right, Sisson? 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 Into the mic. There you go. And uh, Aaron Eloise, my sidekick, as Lisa Bernhardt is buried under six feet of snow. What'd you say? <laughs> Not quite six feet. Feels like six feet, though. Feels like six feet. 
Yeah. Well, you, you and you're calling in, and you sound great, and but you have electricity apparently again. Uh, I do. I didn't have it for the first part of the day. Um, you know, you'd think I live just, you know, a stone's throw from New York City, a, a long stone's throw, but a stone's throw, and uh, but it's another world out here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's sort of uh, Laura Ingalls style is the, is the way we're living. So I had no electricity and, uh, you know, had to dig out yet again. Uh, I'm over it. I'm over this winter. I am just over it. Wait, do you have a well? <laughs> um, I do have a well. Do you really? Well, I have well water, so I have a well. Oh my God, I was I was kidding. Yeah, no, <laughs> that that's uh, that's life out in the boonies. So, uh, uh, so what else is new? Well, I'm happy to be back. I actually I had a quick uh, getaway uh, last uh, last week and missed the show. And EE e. uh, stood in for me. Thank you very much. To Aaron Eloise, and uh, I'm back now, and I actually had a, a taste of 80-degree um, weather. I could barely remember what it felt like, and it felt damn good, I'll tell you that. Well, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> so just for just a quick getaway for three days and uh, four days, whatever it was, and uh, it's a distant memory now under all the snow. <laughs> but ha- ha- happy to be back. Yes. On so the I, show, I, at least. I want to chat with our, uh, our institute guests. Some of them are uh, pretty cool. Others are total losers. But um, I won't tell you who's who. I'll let you, let you decide for yourselves. But uh, Monica Mateo came to us, a uh, young adult survivor of uh, lymphoma, and uh, she found us through an Internet search and was pissed at her, uh, you know, that she was all alone and told me her whole story, and it sounds fantastically just like everyone else, which is why we exist. But welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, and tell us why you are here. Thank you so much. Um, why I'm here is definitely because... I was a young adult cancer survivor, and I was employed but denied the insurance, thinking that I was invincible and would not get sick, and I was diagnosed at 23 with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and now I'm going in two years into remission, and so I'm definitely, you know, using this I'm Too Young for This Cancer organization as a motivation for me and as a young adult. That's fantastic. We are very excited to have you, and uh, and you are going to be our first graduate Intern? Yes, I am. That is fantastic. And I apparently have to take a course now to become your mentor something. Yes, yes. okay. (laughs) The things I do for this organization and you people. My goodness, my goodness. And, of course, returning champion Jesse Hershkowitz, a.k.a. Herbalist, Rapper Supreme, featured in the I'm Too Young for This documentary film. Yes, yes. And Jesse's got big news, he tells us, right? Yeah, what's yeah. your big news, my friend? Pretty big news. I am uh, actually uh, have something in common with you. I'm sick and tired and done with this winter as well. <laughs> um, so I'm actually, not because of that, but that's a... I'm actually moving to Los Angeles in uh, the middle of April. I've got opportunities out there musically and... Uh, <laughs> looking forward to it, looking forward to the 80-degree weather, looking forward to not digging out my car from under yeah. five, five feet of snow. You know, after after but you'll be storm. digging your car up from a giant crevice in the sidewalk from earthquakes, <laughs> or my car will just be going half a mile an hour. Uh, you know, on a nine-lane freeway. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And uh, Matt, James, can, Matt, can we follow him and relocate the show to L.A.? Yes, that'll okay. work. I don't have to think about it. That's a yes. Bye, right. Jess. <laughs> Bye, kids. And uh, yeah. James. Uh, Manning is as returning. We're going to call you Norm, but in the good sense of Norm. I don't even want to ask. Wait, am I too old for this? You're too young for this. Yes. 
He is too young I'm for that. Confused. Norm from Cheers. Does anyone remember Cheers? Do I really look like Norm? Please. No, I say you look like Norm in, in, in the kindest sort of metaphor, where everyone we, we likes everyone that. likes you and we, we welcome you every time. It's Do just the place where everybody knows your name. Yes, that's all. We want to be that place where everybody knows your name. Right. So, and then Ian. How's it going? Ian is uh, unfortunately friends with Kenny Kane, our VP of Operations, who had all four wisdom teeth taken out tonight, uh, this afternoon, and he is currently in a uh, Vicodin coma on the couch before we take him home. So he's unable to join us, but he's here in spirit. But you have been friends with him for years. We go way back. We go way back. To, we go way back till um, I think fourth grade in elementary school, and um, it's great. Um, I talked to him through Facebook. Uh, he got me in touch with everything. And um, it's great because my first day here, he's passed out on the couch. So <laughs> great influence on Kenny. Yeah, we got to thank Kenny for that. He leads by example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you are going to be assuming responsibilities, helping Lisa and I with the show. Correct. And expanding the network and building our growth. And incredibly exciting to have you. Definitely excited to be here. Thanks. Yes. So we are into Palooza right now. And uh, just incredibly exciting time for us. And uh, I guess before we bring out Elisa, I want to just uh, go over, I know we want to talk about the, the news during the news segment, but the OMG Summit is booked. And we hit 400 people, and there's a waiting list now. But as the waiting list, as people drop out, the waiting list ends and then starts again. So we just want to encourage everyone to go to omg2011.org and register. Um, but the that one thing around I... That's, that gets a round of applause, Matthew, doesn't it? That's amazing. We booked that thing up. In less than four weeks, we sold out the OMG Cancer Summit. That's big news. Um, big news. But I guess the one thing, maybe at least you want to talk about this with me, not that if anything wrong with it, but the oral sex and cancer connection made the news Hello. this week. Yes. I, that, get, that gets one of these. You know. So <laughs> it's a big deal. This made all the networks. It made the night in the news. Um, apparently, oral sex will soon take over as the number one cause of oral cancer above dogs barking in the background. <laughs> yes, that's what happens here in the country. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Is that well, Marmaduke or Scooby-Doo? Well, they get very excited about stories about um, oral sex and cancer. Right. <laughs> he seems to be enjoying the show, though. <laughs> he, very much. She she is. Oh, she, Okay. I take yes. it back. She is a job. How presumptuous of me to assume your dog is neutered and not <laughs> right. spayed. Exactly. So, anyway, so what are your thoughts on this? Clearly, this affects a younger generation more. Absolutely. I mean, the whole the whole idea of the you know the, the HPV virus and just getting the word out there with, I mean, as if as if there weren't enough. Um, concerns about sex and I think it also plays into you know so many people view uh oral sex as sort of that not really having sex kind of a thing and I think this is again one more uh, message that um this counts as sex folks and it counts as sex uh in in a in a evidently a pretty a pretty risky kind of way something else for for young adults to um pay close attention to I mean, it's it's almost funny. Like now we have an excuse to smoke cigarettes because they can't give us oral cancer nearly as much as having <laughs> oral sex. So there you go. I'm, I well, guess that's another I'm, way to look at I, it. Because I want R.J. Reynolds as a sponsor. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway, so that's that's the, apparently this was in the news a couple of months ago, but it flew under the radar, and now it's making waves all of a sudden. I guess uh, 
I guess here we are. It was in the gay news. I can't remember which, um, who posted it exactly, but it was um, through the, um, oh, I can't, I, I wish I remember. Was it like the it advocate through. or out? It, yeah, it was through a smaller um, news source, but it didn't get onto CNN and all those until just this week, I guess. All right. Well, um, with that said, I think it's a good idea to bring on our, our Survivor Spotlight tonight. So... All you, Lisa. All right. Alyssa Savaretti is in our Survivor Spotlight tonight, and she's a.k.a. the lopsided showgirl, young adult survivor and founder president at My Hope Chess. At the age of 38, after losing her breast cancer while uninsured, Alyssa was forced to return to her dance career in Las Vegas. We'll hear all about that, and this time minus one breast. What she did as a result, she hopes, will change lives forever. Please help Welcome to the show. Alyssa Savaretti. Alyssa. I am here. Hello. How are you? Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Said, Thank you I so much. A, I said Alyssa. I'm sorry, cause I, but, but, but it probably is Alyssa. You know what? Close enough. Close okay. enough. Thank We've you. all been I called just, much worse. Yeah, exactly. Just want to say thank you so much to you and Lisa and your whole staff for having me on tonight. This is really, really wonderful to be able to share what we're doing. So thanks no, so it's, much. It's a pleasure. And I, Lisa tells me she actually interviewed you, interviewed you in the past. I don't know if you remember this, but I interviewed you in the past uh, actually for a piece on uh, that, that ultimately ran in Self Magazine on breast reconstruction. So we have talked once before. And a I'm long time ago. You, a yeah, long time ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And oh, my goodness. I guess yeah. I didn't put two and two together. Wow. It's going to come <laughs> full circle. A couple years back, exactly. So thrilled to have you on the show and have you uh, bring us your story. So why don't you start out and tell us about your initial diagnosis and kind of walk us through uh, what you went through. Okie doke. Well, you know what? Um, I had been dancing out in Las Vegas and decided it was time I was going to start a business of my own. So I had moved back to uh, Florida here, the Tampa Bay area where I'm from, and was working on an Internet business for a couple of years. And right when I got ready to launch it, it was around um, Christmas time of 01, I think, like October, November, is when I found my lump in my breast, and, um, and I was 38. So I'll be honest with you, I really didn't do anything about it right away because um, – Again, being a young woman, I didn't even think for one second I could have possibly had a, you know, had breast cancer. Um, so it was through the cohorsing of a good friend of mine who freaked out when I told her that I hadn't had a mammogram or a biopsy that, um, in fact, I did get the diagnosis in the beginning of 2003, and um, that's what happened. Instead of launching my business, I ended up, you know, pretty much laying down for a year uh, to take care of my treatment. And tell us how you so so you were uninsured at the time, and tell us your journey that took you to helping women uh, with reconstruction. Okay, yeah, I was you know because I was an entrepreneur working on a business of my own. Um, I didn't have insurance or a group policy or what have you. So um, it was a local social services program, which I do want to share with your listeners um, for any of you that may be caught in between jobs or what have you. Um, that social service uh, programs exist in your communities. And if you do not, um, you should try to apply for Medicaid. Um, but if for some reason 
you are denied, there, look to see if there is a social service program in your community. But that's how, how I got my treatment, which was, was um, actually a mastectomy, um, followed by eight rounds of chemo. And um, during that time, after my mastectomy, you know, thankfully I was really blessed that um, the social services program did take care of my treatment. But I started looking locally um, through local organizations and affiliates of the national uh, organizations for a program that would help me get my reconstruction to no avail. Uh, then I got on the net and I started searching nationally, calling, you know, American Cancer Society, Susan G. Combe, and the, the normal, you know, programs one would think to reach out to, and still to no avail. So that's when um, essentially I had to go back to work. And, you know, the debt that I had incurred to start my business didn't go away. And um, I ended up flying back to Las Vegas, as you said. Um, and five months post-chemo, I had to go back to work and as a showgirl, but this time minus one breast. So, you know, they padded my costume. Obviously, nobody in the audience would know that. Um, of course, the girls that I worked with knew. But... Um, I got the idea to call myself the lopsided showgirl because I knew I could make fun of myself and that it was probably media worthy, you know, in a city where show business is, you know, part of the daily news. Right. So that's essentially how the lopsided showgirl got her name and the media did pick up on it. And um, with the help of a local women's organization, um, I had actually volunteered for Susan G. Komen for one of their walks and met some women and... Um, they listened to the story, and that's how we ended up applying for our 501c3. Um, this is back in 2003. And so how, does, uh, how do you help women exactly? If there's somebody out there who's looking for um, breast reconstruction, needs help financially, where do you step in? Well, you know, that's basically the main thing that I really want your listeners to understand is the major difference between my Hope Chest and, you know, most of the other breast cancer charities. Thankfully, in almost every city, women have information um, about breast cancer. They can most often also find a way um, through hospital programs or local programs or the health department to get their mammograms. But what the difference is, and like I said, what you know, where we step in is um, breast cancer is, is one of the most heavily funded causes in the nation, but most of the dollars you know, raised are going towards research, education, and or awareness of the disease. My Hope Chest helps women with the final step of treatment, which is breast reconstruction. Uh, there was a law actually passed in 1998 called the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act. Right. And that mandates, you may be that. familiar with that, yeah? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. It mandates that insurance must pay for breast reconstruction because it is a part of treatment. It is not cosmetic. It is not a boob job. It is the final step of the treatment. A woman is finished after chemo and radiation if she's missing one or both breasts. So what we do is, for those that are uninsured, uh, they fill out and go through the application process, which is online on our website, myhopechest.org, and we negotiate with plastic surgeons um, to do uh, breast reconstructions at a reduced um, reduced rate around a Medicaid rate. We ask them if they'll do at least one pro bono um, and then the rest at a Medicaid rate, and that's that's how we, you know, get women through the process. But, um, you know, we actually have a wait list right now 
uh, Lisa and Matthew, because we are the only one of our kind on the national level. So it's quite quite a little epidemic that's going on people aren't aware of. Right, and I think you would probably agree. I mean, uh, it, it's such a it, it's an important part of healing for many women, but there are many women who also choose not to have reconstruction, and and obviously that's a very personal decision, and we you know support anybody that, that 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 chooses not to. But I think to your point, it's also it's about having the information and about having uh, the access. And I think that um, even before some of them get to you, it's pretty alarming that um, so many women are not even told of what their options are for reconstruction by their doctors, uh, which is which is pretty tragic, which also has to do largely, uh, largely centers around economics and, and the fact that a lot of doctors just feel, a lot of plastic surgeons feel that that kind of surgery is unfortunately not really worth their time when they can do more strictly uh, purely cosmetic procedures that are not covered by insurance that people are willing to pay for and have the money to pay for out of pocket. And some of this other stuff gets reimbursed at such a low rate that um, some doctors tend not to do them, which is uh, pretty tragic. Well, actually, you're very right. First, I want to address the point about reconstruction is a very personal choice. And we by no mean, uh, means insinuate that a woman isn't whole and complete if she doesn't desire breast reconstruction. Depends on the time of life, depends on if she's married, if she doesn't want to go through more surgery. There's a million reasons. Um, but we did launch um, a study actually in, in 2008 with a couple of organizations. One is called the Young Survival Coalition out of New York City. Sure, they're the our other- good friends. Yeah, uh-huh, that's right. Love and them. Living, be- living Beyond Breast Cancer. Um, Another great one. Yep. Yes. That's right, out of, out of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And they helped us launch and, and do it every year, uh, the Breast Reconstruction Study. And basically what that's told us so far, out of about 400 women, I guess it's taken it, um, it's approximately 7 out of 10 of those women are uninsured and they do desire breast reconstruction. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty good number. Um, getting to the point of the surgeons, Yes, breast reconstruction, especially a typical tissue expander. Some of your listeners may may also not know that a, a breast reconstruction can take up to one year. It's, it's essentially three surgeries um, with the final tattooing of the areola. So it's it's a long process. So many plastic surgeons are not interested um, in doing that. However, there's a bunch of wonderful angels out there that do, and they already do them um, pro bono at a Medicaid rate. So. You know, one of our challenges, and two, we would like your listeners to, to to understand, is if there are any plastic surgeons in their respective cities that that they know that people have had a reconstruction and are happy with, you know, get in touch with us and let let us know who they are, um, so we can you know reach out to them because we, like I said, we do have women waiting in in most every state in the union at this time. Right, um, and. Yeah, no, sorry. And with with our referrals coming from you know from the biggest breast cancer organizations, which are American Cancer and Susan G. Komen, they send us women uh, every week. Yeah, and there's also and before we we have to wrap up in a few minutes, but you mentioned the tissue expanders. There's also uh, the surgery that I had, which actually takes your own body tissue, which uh, takes took from my abdomen and uh, microscopically sort of replace my breast as well. And that's um, another another option for folks, in addition to implants and expanders, is to actually use uh, tissue from your own from your own body if you're a candidate for that. So there's definitely um, amazing there's ways. There's amazing. Can, there's so many different ways that, that they people can would never even imagine. Sort of you know, get, to, yeah, 
the bonus of a tummy tuck with getting your own natural <laughs> breath. So, yeah, that is wonderful. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Well, we're thrilled to uh, have you on the show and talk about the work that you're doing. And, again, it's it's My Hope Chest. Is it .org or .com? .org. Uh-huh. .org. Yeah. My Hope Chest. .org uh, for folks out there who want to learn more about um, how uh, you guys can help out with breast reconstruction. And uh, so happy that you're out there uh, spreading the word and letting women know that these options are available to them. And um, we, uh, we've unfortunately got to wrap up, but thank you so much for coming on the show. And it's Elisa. I'm a Lisa, and you're Elisa. <laughs> I'm like another Lisa. Like, I, I say, ah, uh, Lisa. That's kind of how there I remember go. it, you know, like another Lisa. But, yeah, right. just, just wrapping up, just want to say if, you know, if your listeners or someone they know is in need of help, um, please get in touch with us. And uh, I'm really excited to hear Chris Carr. She's got an amazing story. So I want to say thank you guys for what you do. Uh, okay, ah, really Lisa, you and, take care. And the audience you're reaching out to. So you guys have a great evening. Thank you so okay. much. All right, Thanks Alicia so much for ready. Excellent, excellent. All right, the so lopsided dancer. I love I, that. I was going to say, like, she's got a hell of a story. She really does. I think people are chopping at the bit to get to Chris, so let's uh, let's blow through the news here really quickly and uh, move Hello, on from there. I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. All righty, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we make a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of free stuff that we want you to know about like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, kayaking trips, concerts, bar crawls, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like to hear us spread the word about during this part of the show, please send us an email and tell us all about it. We'd love to know about it and let our listeners know. Info at stupidcancer.com. That's info at stupidcancer.com. All righty. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.com. Your one-stop shop calendar for all stupid cancer events nationwide, and even in Canada, which apparently is doing pretty well these days. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out. All right, please support Team Stupid Cancer, our New York City Half Marathon running team, by visiting TeamStupidCancer.com, making a donation towards any of our runners' fundraising goals. We'd really appreciate it. Alrighty, every Tuesday, tomorrow night, our partners at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society present YA Connect, a free interactive webcast supporting young adults affected by all cancers. Yes, even though Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is blood cancers, this is a program for all young adults with all cancers. Uh, the fourth annual OMG Summit, which Chris Carr will be speaking at, is booked solid. 400 people have registered. We are starting the waiting list, but we are expecting lots of cancellations in the next six weeks. Be sure to sign up and get your something to New York. All that stuff. <laughs> I have no idea. OMG2011.org. It's, it's late. I've had a long time. I have twins. Well, we're, not expecting, we're not expecting lots of cancellations. No. But we're expecting some. Some, some. All right, and yeah. we've got a stupid cancer event happening in Buffalo. The I2Y Buffalo chapter kickoff event is happening this Thursday, February 24th. And our survivor spotlight from last, last week, Lindsay Gina, will be there along with Kayla Mordaunt. And uh, Matt Corzelius, our chapter leaders, on Tuesday, April 5th, uh, a special film screening of the, sh- of the movie Wrong Way to Hope, a story of young adults and cancer, will be live 
at the Morristown Museum in Morristown, New Jersey. Get this. Here's a partnership for you. It's I2Y, the wellness community, the Cancer Hope Network, Cancer Care, the Cancer Institute of New Jersey, Leukemia Lymphoma Society, the American Cancer Society, and the Young Survivor Coalition. And a partridge in a pear tree. And a partridge in a pear tree. All right, really quickly. We read this last week. Break Cancer is the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance's attempt to join with the Universal Record Database to raise awareness around young adult cancer by breaking records. Get rowdy, be outrageous, and step out of your comfort zone by recording and submitting a world record while at the same time raising awareness for young adults. And I can say that Johnny Immerman just submitted his by having the most hugs ever at a cancer event. Johnny Immerman being the founder and uh, CEO of the uh, Immerman Angels Peer Support for Young Adults. And finally, our friends at the SAM Fund, Surviving and Moving Forward up in Boston, uh, they grant scholarships to young adults affected by cancer who uh, are going through some uh, financial comp- uh, financial compromises, blah, blah, blah. Trying to... Everyone wants Chris. I'm hurrying. I'm sorry. <laughs> Moving Forward with Your Financial Health webinar. Friday, uh, sorry, February 21st, the SAM Fund is focusing on a broad range of unique financial challenges for young adults post-cancer and are moving forward with a webinar series called Moving Forward with Your Financial Health. Uh, This series of webinars will provide concrete, reliable information to young adults struggling with their personal finances post-cancer treatment. March 9th at 4 o'clock. To attend this webinar, go to, uh, it's very long, I'll put it on our, our Facebook page. Go to meeting.com, but we'll post it on. The Sam Fund, if you are pissed about being broke because you had cancer, this is the webinar for you. And that, my friends, is your stupid cancer news. Woo! All right, I need a drink. I really maybe, maybe, drink. <clears throat> I was going to say, maybe Kenny can give you some of his drugs, but that would be Yeah, Kenny's bike yeah. would come in very handy right now. Yeah. All right, I'm going to uh, queue up. I think this is appropriate for her. Let's do it. Ah, the old Huey Lewis. Yep. You can't beat this. I've known her for, God, how many years, and I had a cameo in her film. All right, Chris Carr, an award-winning actress, filmmaker, and the writer, director, and subject of the inspirational documentary Crazy, Sexy Cancer, which premiered on the Learning Channel and Discovery Health in 2007. She's the author of two previous best-selling books, Crazy Sexy Cancer Tips and Crazy Sexy Cancer Survivor. She's been on Oprah, Good Morning America, the CBS Evening News, and the Stupid Cancer Show. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, wellness coach, motivational speaker, Chris has a workshop at the Omega Institute, the New York Open Center. She frequently lectures at hospitals, corporations, medical schools. She's a survivor star. And uh, her new book, Crazy Sexy uh, Diet, is out now, and we're going to be talking about that. This is her third time on the show. Returning champion, please welcome the one and only Chris Carr. <laughs> Hello. Chris Hi, Chris. Carr. Hey. <laughs> it's like the spotted owl. You're back. We see you, and you're here. <laughs> you are hilarious. I don't know how you got through all of that, but I was laughing in the background. I do my best. <laughs> And I'm not medicated tonight. I'm not medicated. I will self-admit I'm not medicated tonight. Wow. I know. This might be a first. It is a first. It is a first. Actually, I drank the vodka on my desk last week, but I'm out of it now, so. And Aaron will say I'm not kidding. I have to send you a green back. (laughs) 
Well, I'm so excited to have you back. I remember first meeting you at the, I think it was in Boston at a conference in like 2006 or something, and then we met at the Alliance meeting, and you were on the show. You were just getting the movie out. We did screenings. You have come so far. I'm so proud of you, and you are the emblematic model of young adult survivorship in my mind. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Aren't you older than me? <laughs> no, you just sound like you know, like that dad that I always. I am so proud of you. You've come. Well, so I am. Long. I'm very proud of you. You've, <laughs> you've taken this. You've run, and you are yeah. an example of like how a young adult can embrace what they have control over, mm. and make a difference for themselves and other people. I appreciate that. Thank you. So he's, he's um, patting you on the head metaphorically right now. Mm-hmm, I feel yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So here you are, third book. You've been on Oprah. What, where are you going now? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot more writing, a lot more teaching and workshops and things like that. Um, CrazySexyLife.com is a full-time job and then some. We have so many wonderful writers in the wellness world. And I'm still promoting this book, so I'm still kind of on tour. Uh, Crazy Sexy Diet, is, it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for four weeks in a row now. Woo! Yeah, so it's it felt like giving birth and uh and running for for like political office at the same time. Um so I'm very proud of it. I I think it's a, a wonderful tool for not only for patients but also for people who are interested in prevention, interested in staying well and living well. Chris, can we oh, actually I'm I'm so interested in this book um because uh we have a, a couple of constituents uh, Matthew among them, mm-hmm. who and Kenny Kane uh, in the in the studio here with us, um, just to you know point fingers and and myself included, where our diets you know we're kind of falling off the wagon and find ourselves eating bad stuff and here we are with this cancer organization and um, mm-hmm. you um, have some incredible information in this book and I want to break some of it down so we can actually understand Mm -hmm. why we should eat some of the things uh, that we should eat. So can we sort of go through here? Let's, let's pick out a couple of things. Um, I want to talk about first your, 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 your make juice, not war and your juicing and and why that's uh, such an important, important mantra for you. Sure. Let me backtrack a little bit and just talk about what the diet is. Um, Give it an overall umbrella before we get into specifics. So great. The diet came out of my my search, uh, my search for a way to live a healthy life with cancer. So for those who don't know, I have an incurable cancer that I've been living with for eight years. It's stage four. It's in my liver and both of my lungs, and there's no treatment for it. So um, there's no chemo, there's no surgery, there's no radiation. A sar- sarcoma, correct? Mm-hmm, that's right. It's yeah. a rare sarcoma. And so, you know, my first, my first, instinct was to go out and and figure out some things that I could do to possibly extend my prognosis and also feel better because I was feeling pretty crappy. Uh, So that's what sort of took me to Whole Foods and took me to creating less stress in my life and um, really understanding how to take care of myself. So I played with that pretty extensively and, and also very deeply for eight years. I made crazy sexy cancer and and that highlighted four years of my life um, on the journey and some other wonderful women. Um, But really, I dove, 
you know, with each passing year, I would research and go deeper and find new experts and, and new integrative doctors and functional medicine practitioners. And I got really excited about an anti-inflammatory diet, looking at the root cause of inflammation and, you know, what that does to the body. And, and certainly, you know, as we increase certain products in our diet, we also see disease rates go up. And so, this all became very fascinating to me um, because it meant a lot to me personally, but also as my own following grew and people were coming to me because I was talking about integrative medicine and, and mostly diet and lifestyle-related things um, is where I put my focus. It, you know, I wanted to share this information. And so, anyway, so... Can I, can I back up for one second? So anti-inflammatory diet, um, that means specifically that that would help with... Um, when you talk about, you know, tumors being something that grow, an anti-inflammatory diet would inhibit that? Or what what does that mean exactly, an anti-inflammatory diet? So the Crazy Sexy Diet is, as I said, it's an anti-inflammatory diet. It balances the pH, so it's a alkaline, more of an alkaline diet and less of an acidic diet. It's a plant-based diet. So what I'm teaching people to do is eat more plants, eat less animals, eat less sugar, um, less of the products that create inflammation in the body. And, you know, what we know is that inflammation is the root cause of a lot of chronic diseases. Um, inflammation happens for, you know, the layman, you can maybe remember getting a paper cut and it swells, it gets really red, it feels hot, it hurts, or perhaps you bang your knee and, it, you know, you feel the pain, you feel the throbbing. Well, inflammation also happens on the inside. It happens, it can happen three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, from depending on what we're eating. You know, and that's one piece of it. I'm also really curious about the terrain of the body. So eating more of the alkaline foods and less of the acidic foods helps us stay in balance. So, you know, the the body will do anything to maintain proper pH balance. It's not it's not like your blood pH is gonna change. It can't change. It changes more than just a fraction and you would die. But what happens is is when we're eating a lot of foods that create acid in the body, create inflammation in the body. We have to rob minerals and we have to sort of throw our body out of balance in order to bring it back into balance. So one of the things that we do is we mine minerals like potassium, magnesium, and calcium to neutralize those acids. So it's sort of like a cascade, a chain reaction happens in the body. And what I'm curious about is also creating more oxygen in the body. Um, we know that disease doesn't really like oxygen. Cancer doesn't like oxygen. Cancer prefers an anaerobic condition, a condition with less oxygen. So hmm. by eating more of the plants and certainly by making juice, back to your original question, <laughs> make juice, not war, it's, it's a green juice. It's a green vegetable juice. So you're flooding your body with chlorophyll. You're getting um, vitamins, minerals, enzymes, phytonutrients. So those are the... the you know, the cancer fighters, you're getting antioxidants. Um, and it's like an, an amazing blast of nutrition that you're absorbing almost instantly, like within 15 minutes. It helps to balance the blood sugar. It's it's a really remarkable um, drink to be consuming as opposed to what many of us are consuming. You know, it's like a lot of coffee, which is highly acidic, which dehydrates the body, which, you know, basically right. throws out a side of whack. I can talk about that extensively, but, you know, back to sort of the initial, the the main principles are um, drinking a lot of green juice, um, looking at your plant and at your plate, and, you know, more than 50% of it is covered in veggies, plants. Um, yeah. the, the things that I tell people to reduce are the animal products and certainly the processed foods, the refined foods, and and certainly for cancer patients, um, you know, high glycemic sugars and sweets and desserts and things like that. 
um, we want to start to reduce and turn to low glycemic fruits and and desserts and things like that. So Chris, I know. Me, sorry, uh, no, Chris, I just had a question about the 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 green stuff. What is your response to people who who uh, proclaim in the um, sort of the nutrition area that you could take a pill that has the same antioxidants and nutrients of uh, of actually ingesting real organic matter? Well, that's what you said, real organic matter. You know, um, I take supplements. I, I'm not somebody who's opposed to supplements, but I think that it's also important that we, as much as possible, we get our nutrition from real food sources, from the garden. Uh, there's nothing that there's nothing that compares to a fresh glass of cucumber juice, celery, kale, you know, romaine, pear, parsley, things like that. Uh, you can absolutely take green powders. I travel with green powders because I juice every day. You know, I get to blast twice a day. I'm on the road all the time, so that's when I choose green powders. But otherwise, no, it's a, it's a supplement. You know, Chris, we have a really interesting question um, from the chat room uh, where somebody says, uh, actually calling themselves Chris Carr fan, but the question is that you have you you present as having such kind of self-esteem and confidence in yourself and your body. And the question is, what advice would you give to someone who can't even look at herself, is, is the way this question is phrased, who maybe doesn't possess that same amount of confidence um, or somebody who's, and then I know you were used to not having such a healthy diet beforehand, so that's kind of hopeful, but um, you do sort of portray that and not everybody, folks who don't necessarily possess that, um, obviously feel like it's a, it's a tougher road for them. Well, you know, this diet is not just about what you're eating, it's also about eat what's eating you. And I can tell you that I had an eating disorder for a good 10, 15 years of my life. And so there was a time where I was very much in the place where that uh, that person is. Um, and it doesn't matter what weight you are when you feel that way, whether you're heavy or thin. It's just you don't want to look at yourself. And um, what, why I talk about the emotional side of it, too, the emotional side of change, the emotional side of um, a lifestyle upgrade is because there's so much tied into food <clears throat> and there's so much trauma and drama that we're storing, as I say, like the issues in the tissues or in the, the cubbies of the body, the metaphoric cubbies, cubbies of the body. Mm-hmm. And certainly as a cancer survivor, I know there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anger, there's, a lot, there's feelings of your body betraying you and then adding on top of it any sort of emotional or self-esteem issues or body issues, it can be quite paralyzing and so one of the things that I um, often recommend to my coaching clients is to either work with a coach or to work with somebody who, one of the things that I love to do is something called emotional freedom technique. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very easy. You can do it yourself. There are a lot of resources out there. And uh, one of the resources is a, is a website called thetappingsolution.com. Another woman who I love and have studied with, her name is Carol Look, L-O-O-K. And uh, what emotional freedom technique does again one of many techniques that can help you weave through the emotional uh, crap that holds us back is combines Chinese acupuncture Chinese meridians with talk therapy and positive reprogramming it literally helps to strengthen those neural pathways that are the positive neural pathways 
as opposed to the negative ones that I'll never be this, I'll always be that, I'll, I'll, I'll always be sick, I'll die of cancer, and you know I can't even look at myself. It's training a muscle. Your brain is a muscle, and it's it takes as much work on the self-esteem because I didn't always have it as it does on building calves or you know eating a healthier diet, committing to juicing. Yeah. That's why it's a very holistic approach that I talk about. Chris, do you feel that, I mean, we, we talked about this on the show like two years ago, but do you feel that your decision to uh, change your diet and lifestyle put your cancer into homeostasis, or is it shrinking, or is it growing? My cancer is not growing, um, and I've, asked, I've seen some shrinkage from time to time. It's pretty much stable, and it's an interesting disease because sometimes it, it can be stable, and other times you can get aggressive out of nowhere. And uh, since I'm sort of the poster child for EHE, I've heard a lot of stories that, uh, you know, aren't stories that my oncologist told me, that's for sure, right. about sure. how it got aggressive. Um, you know, I'll tell you that I do think that I'm contributing to my stability, and I know that I'm contributing to my overall health because I've seen dramatic changes in other areas. Um, but beyond, you know, my cancer is very, it's very interesting. It's very Different and unique, but I will say that. But it has the most syllables I've ever heard in the cancer. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You, you have to tell us what that is now. It's a, it's annoying. It's um it's called epithelioid hemangioendothelioma. Gesundheit. Yeah. It took me a long time to spell it actually. <laughs> <laughs> Come again. That but should anyway, be on my like, wheel of fortune. <laughs> at my social network at at my crazy sexy life, um, we have many different groups and um, many many cancer groups, as well as groups for people who don't have cancer. And um, there are some unbelievable testimonials from both people who have cancer and people who don't of stability, reversal, you know, all these things. So I'm not saying that people should leave their doctors and dive ahead on into integrative medicine or, you know, issue Western treatments. Um, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we could all benefit from a lifestyle change. And in some cases with some diseases like type 2 diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, People are dealing with um, heart disease and high cholesterol. We know that moving to a more of a plant-based diet can literally reverse these conditions. Uh, cancer can be trickier, but there are many there are many miracle stories about that too. It's but just, that's what's so fascinating about your work is none of this is really anecdotal. This is all credible published science, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's the only place that we can work and be taken seriously. Right. I know you don't endorse specific brands, but a lot of people find comfort with getting questions on this on just knowing what specific brands sure. are like sort of less shitty than the others, perhaps. If I can <laughs> use a euphemism, what are the least worst? And when you're looking at like Bolt House or Naked Juice or Nantucket, you know, or, or do you have to go to Whole Foods and find these off things that that are fantastic? Do you? I know you don't specifically espouse brands. But do there exist alternatives? That brands are, of what? Uh, of, of, of juices. If of you juices. Can't, if you can't like or, sell or, juice every day. Yeah. 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 No, I'm a purist. You got to make your own juice. Um, I sorry. <laughs> Most of those juices are pasteurized, right? So we're losing a lot of the nutrition and the enzymes, and also they're high in sugar. Um, so when I make green juice in the morning every day. It's, you know, I might only use one pear or one apple to sweeten the juice for my husband and myself. Very little sugar in that, and there's a lot of chlorophyll in that. There's a lot of, you know, veggies in that. Also, juicing can be quite expensive for people. So people who are on a budget, I suggest, you know, juicing a couple times a week and then, you know, making green smoothies, which are 
a little more cost-effective. They're certainly easier to make um, in a blender. You're just cleaning the blender bucket as opposed to all these different juicer parts. So that can be effective too. So you can what? Just put a bunch of stuff in a blender and make and make enough for a week? Is that was what? No, was you, no, I don't know. Oh week. No, no. no, you can see we're clueless. Yay, week old juice. Clueless on juicing, but yeah, that would. I mean, I think our folks are really want to hear like what sort of practical tips for, um, as you were as you were saying, for how they can be good juicers and economical juicers. Well, there's a lot of information in Crazy Sexy Diet, and so I could just talk about a couple of things, but if you're really interested, I would just check that out for sure. Um, so with green juice, you know, there's a couple kinds of juicers. So you can get a centrifugal force juicer is probably the easiest to clean. It's also the um, takes less time. So the Breville juicer is a juicer that I like very much, either the Compact or the Icon. And um, there's basic recipes at Crazy Sexy Life, but one of the ones that I like – is I start with cucumber and celery as my base, and then I rotate greens depending on what's in the house. So we might have um, spinach, we might have romaine, we might have kale, um, and then we use some fruit in there too to sweeten it up, either some apples, green apples, pear, maybe some carrots, things like that. I prefer right. to do like a three-to-one ratio, so three veggies to one fruit, because, again, I like to keep it low glycemic, and I don't like blood sugar spikes, insulin, and IGF growth factor one coursing through my body. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you worry about salt at all with any of this stuff, or is there just no salt on any of these things? Yeah, this is a juice, so you don't need you don't need salt in it. Well, I mean, like, have, does, doesn't celery have a very high level of salt? Well, if you're having, like, two or three stalks of celery, it's, it's completely fine. Um, now, for a green smoothie, you're going to want to have, like, I love to use good fats, so you get your omega-3s, you get good fats. Um, so we use avocado instead of yogurt or, or ice cream or, you know, any of the dairy products. We would use avocado or we would use nut butter, like almond butter um, or something like that. And then, again, using cucumber, perhaps use a little bit of spinach. you got your avocado, bananas, blueberries. As a sweetener, you might want to use stevia, which is a leaf um, that doesn't um, spike your blood sugar. And um, it's about 300 times sweeter than regular sugar, so just a little goes a long way. It's probably going to be the healthiest um, sweetener for cancer patients, certainly. And then my next choice would be agave, uh, but stevia would be first. And you can sauce it up with, like, cinnamon or, you know, raw cacao, which is raw chocolate. It has some nice theobromine in there. You're going to get a little boost. Theobromine is, like, caffeine's cousin. And uh, so these are healthier ways to start our day. Certainly I have to ask you, do you, ha- do you have a, sorry, do you have a, uh, you're talking about artificial sweeteners. I don't know if you saw this week, but it, this like blew the doors of all the news that really? NutraSweet and sodas have been linked to arteriosclerosis in young adults. And as a result, more young adults are getting strokes than ever because of artificial sweeteners. Yeah, and finally people talk about it. You know, artificial Artificial sweeteners are basically neurotoxins. You know, they should be banned. It's ridiculous. We have products like Stevia that are so fantastic. You can even get them in little, you know, rectangular packets that you can put in your purse and bring with you. And aspartame, you know, equal, all those sweet and low, crap, garbage, crap. Certainly not something to be put in my body or any of my friends' bodies. And all the people on this line are my friends. Would you say the same (laughs) of Splenda? Or is that the least worst without buying stevia? I wouldn't touch that with a ten foot pole. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about um exercise and uh a couple of things. Well, first of all, I'm assuming that a lot of when when you first made the rounds with doctors, 
Um, probably they didn't. One of the questions here in the chat rooms did they say? Did they look at you like they were sort of clueless about nutrition? Because that seems to be a lot of comments yeah. that we're getting in the chat rooms <laughs> here. So. so they were not. Um, they just blankly. I mean, I know from for myself. I mean, I, I just get the standard line from doctors: everything in moderation, and that's pretty much about it. Was assuming it was the same for you. Well, absolutely, and see, yeah. everything in moderation, and moderation can kill, you know, so yeah. we have to sort of understand that most doctors do not have any nutrition training in medical school, and oftentimes what can happen is, because I wasn't trained in it, it doesn't exist. Because I wasn't trained in it, it doesn't have any value. Um, yeah. Now, I have a wonderful doctor that I work with who, you know, he's he's my dude, we, he tracks me every year, I love him. He's a Dana-Farber, and, you know, I even teach a class with him once a year at Harvard, which is great. I also have an integrative oncologist in Chicago, and in his, um, the first thing you do when you walk into his office, his name is Dr. Keith Block, is you see a kitchen, and he's teaching amazing vegan, plant-based, recipes. He includes a little fish and a little eggs for people because it's pretty hard to go vegan for most. Um, but that's that's the kind of mentality. That's the kind of... He's the other person on my team. He's got registered dietitians who know as much as I do, if not more, which is challenging. Yeah. <laughs> we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, but diet is just one piece of it. There's also... Tell us about, I know, exercise and prayer and what is, talk about, touch on the other components of what, what's your exercise routine? Actually, right before I uh, called you, I did this very fun video that I have by Patricia Moreno. She has a workout called Intensati. And it's only an hour long, and I threw it in. I was a little bit in a cranky mood, and I knew I had to be, you know, in my space, visiting with you both. And <laughs> only I, an hour. Only an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I threw, no, I threw that in, and it was amazing. Um, so exercise is a big part of the routine, and it can be the, very, it can be the thing that most people you know, negotiate out of this situation and out of their lives because we're busy. I get that. We're all very busy. From a survivor perspective, you know, it it boosts your metabolism. It increases the immune system. It helps you sleep, which is so important because sleep at night is when we repair. That's when our body does the repair work. Um, It helps with stress reduction. And the list is pretty, the list is pretty long, but, you know, I think what's important to do is make sure that we're getting, you know, aerobic activity as well as some weight-bearing activity, um, depending on who you talk to, three to five days a week, 35 minutes a day aerobic, weight-bearing, three days a week. My integrative oncologist has asked me to bump it up to five to seven days a week. I can't say that I'm doing it, Dr. Talk, I'm not doing it, but... um, Endurance training, training your body to endure as cancer patients and survivors. We know what that's like. But also a really cool thing that you can add to your um, daily life is crank on a song that you love two or three times a day. I'm sure we all have three songs that we love that really get us jamming. And dance your ass off. And that's called like that. re- recovery aerobics. And what that does is it teaches you how to get your heart rate up really quickly, and then recover quickly. So between endurance training and recovery training, you're really getting your body in peak condition so that it can handle the hard times, whether the hard times are chemo or whether the hard times are, you know, 
freaking April 15th or, you know, tax day. <laughs> Whatever the hard times are, um, we can handle them more. And also, and, and you kind of, uh, you, you're also go to a pretty kind of zen place mentally. Is that right? To talk, talk about kind of your your spirituality and, and, and how you sort of channel that. The biggest thing for me is taming the brain. So um, meditation is a, a big part of what I talk about in the book, but also during the 21-day cleanse that I've created. And uh, I often say that, you know, 20 minutes in the morning, if it's good enough for the Beatles, it was good, it was good enough for you, right? <laughs> they turned out to be pretty freaking great. And um, it's very hard to make decisions. It's very hard to reduce stress, to reduce inflammation, right? Stress, inflammation, anti-inflammatory diet and lifestyle. When we're driven by all these stressors, anxieties, these monkeys in our minds, unable to make clear decisions, unable to turn it off. It affects us on many different levels. Not only does it affect our sleep and affect our joy, but also, you know, cortisol levels, adrenaline, things like this. Um, So I teach people about meditation in the book. We have a Fit Club challenge going on over at the community. We did the 21-day diet program. Now we're doing an exercise challenge. And then once the exercise is challenge is over, I think in about a week and a half maybe, we're going to move to a 21-day meditation challenge. Chris, how do you address questions of people who ask about um, sort of conditions you have no control over, such as the environment? Because you really can't control that if you live in a certain place. Let's say you do live in a cancer cluster area, or let's say you live in, you know, I think we, I think I, I used the euphemism last time on the show about, you know, it's great to juice in the morning, but if you're breathing LA smog all day, are you just carbon neutraling yourself? And will you ever, ever healthfully benefit? Environment, absolutely. You know, so we know that five to ten percent of all cancers are genetic, right? And the rest are the results of diet, lifestyle, stress. I think emotional factors, um, because we know what that can do in the body, actual physiological things that happen in the body, but also environmental factors, as you said, things that we can't control if we live in a cancer cluster. I mean, I might have lived in a cancer cluster. How the heck did I get this disease that only 200 people per year have? Right. You know, uh, Lord knows I was a party animal. Let's just be clear. (laughs) I wasn't living the healthiest lifestyle, and I'm sure that if I was exposed to things and I came into this planet with a predisposition for something, like every single one of us, and then I'm sitting around in a toxic, uh, you know, area, then boom, it's a perfect cocktail. Um, It's not going to happen to everyone, but it happened to me. So what I don't agree with is, you know, if if you're living in a place where you can't make, you know, any difference that we don't try at all, and then we actually eat things that are quite toxic, and drink things that are quite toxic and participate in behaviors and relationships and lifestyle choices that are quite toxic because that's just going to exacerbate the situation, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. So quit your job, move to a shack in Montana, get eaten by a bear. <laughs> well, but you'll die healthy. You'll die healthy. <laughs> when you're eaten and he'll think you're delicious. <laughs> you don't have to go and move to Montana, although I'm that's a place kidding. I would love to be. Um, it is beautiful there. I would love to be there. So what do you so Chris, I mean, what happens when you do you have moments um of falling off the wagon in whatever sh- way, shape or form that happens, whether diet, exercise or you know, where you just can't handle your stress or, or what are those moments um 
like for you if, in fact, they do happen? Like, what happens when FedEx doesn't deliver your books to the store? You, you're <laughs> yeah, allowed to get pissed, right? Okay, you, mind. you lose your shit. In. You should lose. <laughs> Let everyone know you lose your shit, so we you know you're yes. you're an organic human being. Oh, okay. I have a huge temper. I, I'm I'm absolutely yeah. No, I can be a ball of fire. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Like, I. Uh, I'm on a mission, and when my mission is is interfered in any way, I get pretty feisty. Um, yeah, of course, I have a hard time keeping up with um, the lifestyle that I've created for myself. But I'm not hard on myself. It's not a prescription. It's not like you have to do everything, check it off the list, and then you can go to work. Then you can go, you know, do what it is that you want to do. It has to work with your life. So. Do I get to everything every day? No, but I prioritize. I'm, I have become more organized as a person, um, and there's certain things that used to be a part of my life that kind of fell away because they don't really serve me any longer. Um, so, you know, as I said, exercise is probably the first thing that will go for me because as I started, this this sort of planned diet was where I put all my energy, and and it's sort of habitual, you know, it's like, I will take that extra time to make that green juice in the morning, might not make it to the gym later, and so I'm myself finding the balance, um, I don't, I'm not a guru, I hate that word, I write these books because I need to read them, and um, again, what I come back to is giving yourself I'm going to teach you the principles, okay? I'm going to teach you how to eat a much better, far superior diet. And I'm going to remind you and encourage you about other lifestyle practices. You have to figure out what you can fit in. And you can juggle the week around, right? You can juggle the month around. Yeah, we can. Sorry, we're we're, we're actually, the, the questions are coming in so fast and furiously from the uh from the uh, chat room for you that we're, we're <laughs> and you're giving such great answers and people are people I don't know if you can see our chat room but they're all um, saying how much they love you and how much oh, uh, you how too. much your help with um somebody somebody's asking a question about um, should cancer survivors avoid cleanse diets you know the ones that make you um, lose weight and supposedly you know cleanse like your the Chinese diet. green tea diarrhea diet. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that it says be, on the label. That could be your book. <laughs> That's my book. That's my book, yes. You know, I think it depends on what stage you're in, right? Yeah. So not I don't mean stage meaning one, two, three, four. Right. I mean, are you going through chemo right now? Are you in a any are you in a place where you're underweight? You know, or are you if that's the case, I would probably not. I would work on upgrading your diet eating really good, healthy foods, um, eating more of the plants, less of the animals, cutting out things like dairy, which do not serve us. There's a big portion of the book um, that will talk about that. And certainly sugar, like when we go to uh, cancer floors and we see like these bowls and bowls of candy, sugar feeds cancer. There's a great post on Crazy Sexy Life by registered dietitian Jackie Glue from the um, Block Center that really explains it quite thoroughly. And I suggest anybody who has active cancer read that post. Um, So if you're in a position where you're really thin, you're having a hard time right now, I would focus on eating more of the healthy foods and um, reducing the foods that create stress on the body. If you've gone through chemo and radiation and you're, you know, feeling like this is a time to clean out because there's a lot of toxic residue from that sludge, then I think 
uh, a cleanse can be definitely helpful. I don't do extreme cleanses. I will never do something like the master cleanse. Um, I've done what is a that? 20- and what is that? That's um, lemon water, maple syrup, and cayenne that you know for days and days and days on end. And, That's all um, you drink every day. Yeah, so it's a basically like a water fast with some maple syrup and cayenne. Goes in and your mouth, right? The other way. You could probably put it up your ass if you want. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Tickles your fancy. <laughs> um, but I, I actually really believe in cleansing with green juice and um, and whole foods because you're go- it, look. If I put you on my program, um, you're dumping coffee, you're dumping alcohol, you're making green juices or green smoothies every day, flooding your body with alkalinity. Your 50% of your plate is covered in like salads or veggies, you know, slightly steamed, slightly sautéed. You're eating the gluten-free grains because I'm trying to reduce allergens in the body, mucus in the body, really give you a, a break. So you're eating brown rice, millet, quinoa, buckwheat, those kinds of things, very easy to digest, lots of nutrients. And so, instead of eating all the animal products, you're choosing more of the avocados, beans, nuts, seeds, you know, things like that. So what do you do? Sorry. Okay, Lisa, so, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, just going to say, so what do you do when you're um, at – somebody invites you to a restaurant or a dinner party, and what do you recommend when you're faced with a plate of food in front of you that you simply can't or don't want to eat, and what would you tell folks to do? Well, when I'm going out to a restaurant, I can always find – I go to restaurants all the time because of my travel schedule. I can always find something that I I want to eat. Um, Just because I don't eat flesh doesn't mean that I can't find tons of food. Sometimes I have to be creative and say – I'll have this really big salad, and can can I have the potatoes from that plate, and can I have that steamed asparagus from this dish? And people are usually pretty nice, and especially if you smile and you're not bitchy when you ask. Um, You know, if I'm going to a house where I know they're really, they're like carnivores and they don't eat the way I prefer to eat, then I will bring a dish and and share it. Um, That's never been an issue for me. I think it becomes more of an issue when you have a lot of anxiety around it because, you know, some folks in the beginning might not be happy that you're changing because that might mean that they have to reflect and change too, and that makes people pissed. Um, yeah. So if, if that's the case, I tend to – a lot of those people just aren't in my life anymore. It's a hassle. If, if you don't get why I take care of myself and how fantastic it is to feel well, then you, you're obviously not in a space where you want to look at your own life. Yeah, yeah. Is it okay to have one vice? Of like coffee or alcohol. Of course. Well, okay. Look, I, I think like people coffee. just want permission from you. <laughs> no, no, I know. I get that all the time. You know, I, when I people do Q and A's, I'll be like, "Yes, but you're asking me for permission." Yes. I think what what I'm trying to get at is certainly with things like coffee. So I was on a, a radio show the other day, and somebody was drinking five, six, seven espressos a day, and I said, "Okay." And and there was a, a doctor on the show too, and she was saying, you know, there's benefits to caffeine, and of course I was saying, you know, what some of the downside to caffeine is, and I said, okay, well, whatever. Let's just agree to disagree. If I were to remove this from your diet, dear caller, um, and what would happen? Would you have withdrawal symptoms? And the answer was I'd have intense withdrawal symptoms. So if caffeine is in your life and you're having it two, three, four times a day like most people are, and you would go through those withdrawal symptoms and you know that it would be really uncomfortable, then my question is how good is it for you, Right? something that would give us that, whether it's sugar or alcohol or coffee, I want you to be in charge of it. I want you to be ahead of it. I don't want it to have a grip on you. If you have a cup of coffee a couple times a week, fantastic. Are you having 
one cup of coffee every day? Okay, well then you know what? Are you drinking your green juice and are you making sure that you're hydrating? With alcohol, are you stress drinking? Is that your tune down, tune out, chill down, right? Or can it be something that you have like once or twice a week? You have a glass of wine um, or a couple of beers. So that's that to me is real moderation. And moderation really means balance, and balance is a very active pursuit. It's not something that's passive. And sometimes folks can get a little lazy around that word. Um, so I'm I'm always taking a very active inventory of what I'm consuming, what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, what I'm thinking, what I'm teaching. Um, and I think it increases longevity when we think of it that way. Yeah. We don't get into these passive habits. I, I, we're running out of time. I just have uh, one more question. I think Lisa had another question. In terms of the balance of proteins, can you just articulate a little about, you know, you're giving up organic meat. We're becoming, you know, vegetosauruses. And, and <laughs> the caveman diet and the Atkins diet versus this diet, is anybody really right or is, is it really just, I mean, my father's in the chat room. He's like, well, you know, uh, George Burns lived to 101 smoking cigarettes and drinking his whole life. You know, and George Gershwin was a vegan and died at 30 years old of a brain tumor. So is it really the luck of the draw and you're just trying to reduce your risk? Or is – what are your thoughts on that? Those are many questions, Matt. I know. (laughs) I I try to make everything as complicated as possible. Yeah, Yeah, great. Thanks. Appreciate it. George Burns, there are very few George, the George Burns of, Burns of the world don't exist, right? So we don't have the same, same type of agribusiness, we don't have the same soil, we don't have the same terrain, we don't have the same water. It's a very different time post, you know, World War II Industrial Revolution and all of the agribusiness that has sprouted up as a result. The factory farm system is horrendous, not only for the animals, but also for the humans that are consuming this highly diseased product. Now, I didn't say you had to give up organic meat. I prefer certified humane meat because I know that it's going to be those animals are treated better and organic foods, uh, you know, grass-fed, free-range, all of that stuff is subject to uh, speculation at times, right? And so certified humane is always going to be a better choice because I know that those animals are cared for, therefore they're going to be a better product. Now, as far as protein goes, you know, you can get all the protein that you need from a varied plant-based diet. And the key is to that it has to be varied. You know, you don't want to be a one-trick wonder or like a muffin vegetarian, right? And right. Because that's when people get themselves into trouble. You, the, the, the myth that we have to have a complete protein, otherwise we'll wither and die, is, is exactly that. It's a myth. Amino acids are brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. We don't need them all at once. Um, I mean, if you want, I don't know how much time you have, I can talk about this in more detail, but there's 22 amino acids, there's nine essential amino acids, that means it's essential that we get it from our diet because our bodies don't make them, and um, can you hear this, is this connection bad now? No, you're fine. Well, you're fine. Oh, I'm so sorry, it's it's fuzzy on my line. Okay, so nine of which are essential, so it's essential that we get them from our diet, and we can get almost a complete protein from many plants, they might just be missing one amino acid, two amino acids. And basically amino acids will pool in the tissues or pool in the fluid between the cells or in your intestines, and your body can literally dip in and create a complete protein. So 
we are not suffering from malnutrition, okay? We are falling under an obesity epidemic. The recommended daily allowance for protein for a woman who is 130 pounds is 47 grams of protein, okay? Americans are getting about 120 grams of animal protein per day. That's high in saturated fat, has no fiber, no antioxidants, no vitamins, you know what I mean? And depending on how we cook it, it's carcinogenic. So right. I get very, really fired up about the whole protein issue because it's it's the increase of all of these proteins that are killing us. Um, so anyway, to the point is, does everybody have to become a vegan? No, but can we look at our diet, take inventory, and reduce the amount of milk, uh, reduce the amount of flesh, reduce that no more than two, three times per week, and start to get really familiar with the plant kingdom because the plant kingdom heals. The plant kingdom is just loaded with health, spiritual wealth, and happiness. And um, so that's that's why I follow it and, and teach it. Hell to the plant kingdom. Hell to um, the plant kingdom. We, we have to wrap up soon, Chris, but I want to ask you something just um, – and unlike uh, me, it's one question. <laughs> Darn it! We'll, 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 we'll see about that. So you've got um, a lot of groupies, and a lot of them are listening in now. Like I said, and they're in the chat room, and they're just loving you, and uh, are totally. This is great information uh, about diet, about exercise, um, spirituality. All of it um, is amazing, and they can go read your book and, and get even more information. But um, for all your followers out there, and all your and all your groupies out there. Tell us something else just about you that we don't know about you. Like what, what's something else about Chris Carr that we just don't know, whether it's something else that you like to do sort of outside of all this or what's the most fun for you, what's funny, what TV show you want, anything. Like what, what's, a, what's a tidbit for all, for all the Chris Carr followers out there who want to get to know you better just in terms of who you are. Tell us something else about you that we don't know. She's glad Regis is leaving. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, Okay, I'll tell you something you don't know that might be counterintuitive um, because a lot of people see me as quite a peaceful, loving human being, and I am. And uh, But I adore really bloody action movies. And, um, nice. Anything that's Grindhouse. Like CIA, ninjas, anything that's like political espionage, you the more guns, the better. Like, and <laughs> the I, more I, guns, the better. I know it's it's because it gets my adrenals going. I know it's you know probably not something I should be watching at night. But my husband is all about black and white movies, and you, you know watch, anything yeah. before Terminator didn't doesn't exist to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your website is branded with peace signs all over it. Yet, yet more guns the better when it comes to entertainment. Yes, uh, it's terrible. You know, I you know, but I really do. I just enjoy a good thriller, a good political sort of like you know, where's the like Mark Wahlberg any day? Um, <laughs> ben Affleck. What was the latest movie that he did, which I loved? Ben um, Affleck. The Town. The Town. Oh, great movie. Yeah. The Town's a very good movie. Yeah. The Departed. That's that's right in Chris's pocket right there. True Grit. Got to go see True Grit. I okay. haven't yeah. seen it yet. So, so like, guns and beards and no bathing. That's good. So like the king, the king speech, like English talking movies. That that's not your thing so much. I think it's a little highbrow for my taste. I'm okay. <laughs> it's a little highbrow for me. All right. I am well, so happy good. you came on the show. And again, last plug: Crazy Sexy Diet is your new book, and you are going to be speaking at the OMG Cancer Summit on April 
seventeenth Sunday morning. Yes. yes. Four hundred people will be at Fabulous. your beck and call. Your fans, your friends. We love. Fantastic. We can't wait to see you. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Chris, we love you. Thanks Thank so you so much. much. Chris. Take care. Love you too. Bye. Chris okay. Carr. Take care. Bye bye. Fantastic. See, she hates eating meat, but she loves seeing limbs get really bloody and hacked up on on film. That's where yes. she gets it all out. Exactly. She must be a big fan of Pulp Fiction. Right. Probably That's one great. of the goriest films I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. Well, that was a good show. I'm going to go juice now. Yes, I feel guilty now. Actually, I don't have a juicer. I have to go get a juicer. A centrifugal force? Is that what she said? Centrifugal force juicer. Yeah, apparently, I'm. You know, since my stroke, I've given up artificial sweeteners, soda, processed meats, salt, soda, and uh, caffeine and alcohol. That's not enough, apparently. That's <laughs> no. That's not enough. You have to start eating buckwheat. I need to start, I need to give up food, basically. <laughs> I need to give up food. <laughs> I'm going to juice the rats in the subway. <laughs> That's got to be the best diet ever. <laughs> Dear Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> All right, Jesus, 916, we got to go. Lisa. Matthew. I will see you Wednesday in the office, and you'll be back on the air live with us here in studio next Monday. Absolutely correct. All righty. All right, folks, hope you enjoyed the show. Now it is time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, Internet. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. <laughs> That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show, our 172nd broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking the stick at stupid cancer. I'd like to thank our guests in studio, Monica Mateo, Jesse Hershkowitz, Ian Season, and James Manning, and our principal, the lovely, wonderful, and only fantastic Chris Carr. All right, folks, join us next week when we'll be talking about cancer myths with our chairman of the board, I2Y chairman, clinical professor of medicine and director of oncology services at the Chow Comprehensive Center. That is the one and only Leonard Sender. Timothy Moynihan, MD, education chair at the Department of Medical Oncology at the Mayo Clinic. And in the survivor spotlight, Susan Moser, young adult survivor. And Matthew, help me out here because I'm never going to pronounce this right. Sagrococcygeal. Thank you. Thank you very much. So join Great us next three. week, folks, for, for Cancer Myths. All righty. If you missed any of our past shows, subscribe to the iTunes podcast and download them all for free at iTunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week live from the Chemo Deck. Lisa Bernhard, Captain Sibby, and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed, Ian. Good night, everybody. Good night.